Uh, happy Easter. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. To all of you uh, sitting here today, so great to be here with you. If you're watching online, happy Easter to you as well. Uh, this is High Point Church, and it is a joy to be together on Easter Sunday. Now, yeah, go ahead. You can clap. It's a great time. We're going to get into the message here in a second, but, but Kellen, thank you for that, wherever you, you went. In case you didn't know, if you don't text HP Info to 97000, number one, you need to. It gives you all the info, but the movie the guys are watching is Godzilla vs. Kong, okay? It's brand new. It just came out. You don't want to miss this. This is just absolute carnage that's going to be happening along with barbecue and a good time. Uh, we've got the giant screen that we'll be putting up for it. So don't go watching it early on HBO Max. Don't go do it. Don't do it. Guys, our church uh, is, is overjoyed at the ability to start uh, meeting together again. And we are beginning to rent the historic church right across the street. Um, if you're wondering, you know, the ice cream place that's, what, what's it called, Frozen Cow? Across the street from it is a, is a coffee roastery that is an old church building and we're beginning uh, to rent that. Do I have a lot of static coming through right now? You guys hearing that? Should I switch to this? Sure. Okay. Um, okay. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to get uncharacteristic of Easter today. What is the most recent disappointment that you have had? That's right. You don't need to shout it out. We're not going to. We're not going to deflate the whole morning. Think of something that disappointed you. You know what I mean? A movie that you really wanted to watch, and you finally got to it, and you were like, eh. Or, you know, you were really disappointed because a friend was supposed to show up at that event or that thing, and you were left stranded, and you were by yourself, and you were kind of bombed and frustrated and annoyed. You were disappointed. Or the recipe Come on, somebody. You read the recipe. The picture looks amazing. You followed it to the T, and it tasted like garbage. You know that this is reality, and you're super disappointed by it. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because it's Easter Sunday, which makes this more official. The greatest disappointment in modern history is Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. I mean, listen, listen, when you prepare Brussels sprouts and the directions are like, here's what you need to do. You need to apply these 14 spices to these Brussels sprouts, then massage them with these three oils. Massage them, mind you. Massage them or shock them. Then go ahead and put these into the oven and pull them out five minutes later after you've baked them at 425. Turn them over, put more spices, more oil on them, pull them out, pull them back, wrap them in bacon. I, I got bad news for you, though. If you have to wrap something in bacon for it to taste good, the hero of the story is bacon. Bacon is always the hero, is it not? Thank you. Happy Easter. Have a great Sunday. Okay? We all laugh about disappointments. Easter Sunday is about the life it's about the resurrection of Jesus. But I want you to hear this. I hope you can hear this with, with context this morning. We celebrate 
what Jesus has done and what and who Jesus is. But if you were living in the time of the very first Easter, when Jesus died, in, in the silent Saturday, and, and you're wondering about your life and the hope that you'd put in Christ. Easter Sunday for the first group of people celebrating it would have been a moment of utter despair, terror, fright, and fear, and unprecedented disappointment. Easter Sunday is about celebrating what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. I am thrilled. But what I'm also thrilled by is what I see in Jesus and the character of God as he walks with people through the depths of their despair. Easter Sunday is about life, but it is also about how God walks with people through the absolute rock bottoms of their life. I don't want you to forget that because some of you right now are going through it. I mean, you're going through it. And Easter almost can feel like a facade of worship, like you're, you're manufacturing worship because, yes, you know you should be excited and happy and praise God and this and that. But the reality is there are things in your life that are just almost feels like an emotional plague of just despair. You're, you're going through it and you're wondering, where, God, are you in all of this? Easter Sunday has something for you in this moment as well. And I want you to hear that. Amen? Turn in your Bibles, if you've got one, to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Third book in the New Testament. As you're turning there, uh, in your Bibles, if you've got one, if you've got it on you, the version app, I want to remind you of the kind of church that we are as you're, as you're turning in the Bible and getting ready to read. We are a church that in many ways is relaunching right now because... We've gone almost an entire year without meeting. And I actually find this to be an exciting time because similarly, after the resurrection, we see the church coming together and the church is beginning to meet and the church is becoming the very first church. What you see is life change and life transformation. You see God being glorified and Jesus being honored in communities and cities and churches are birthed and new churches are established. I get excited as a pastor when I see the opportunity for life change in front of us. And I want to encourage you today. Some of you are here for the very first time and you're, 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 you're literally a part of a church for the first time today. Maybe you walked by and saw what was going on or maybe you were invited. I want you to hear this. If you're looking for purpose, one of the most amazing things you can finally do is discover something worth giving your life away for. And helping God's kingdom get established and lives get changed for his glory is one of the most amazing things you will ever experience. And I want to invite you, whether this is your first time or your 45th time, come all the way into this thing and let God do some amazing work through you. Amen? Luke 24, um, Jesus has died. He's risen from the grave, but people still don't know what on earth is going on. Some of his disciples, they're hiding. They're literally hiding because they're, they're, they're fearing for their life. Then you've got other disciples, which we're going to read about, who are walking home. They've just kind of given up. They're done here. Stick a fork in it. 
Brussels sprouts, right? Just the just despair, discouragement. And this is where we find ourselves. Two people are walking home, and theologians believe it's actually a married couple, Cleopas and his wife. And what's interesting is Jesus shows up as they're walking home, but they don't recognize him. He keeps them from being able to, to see who he really is. And they begin having a conversation, and the married couple is fighting. They're arguing about some stuff, I know. It's hard to imagine somebody married duking it out, but they are as they walk home to Emmaus. The Bible says this, that the same day two of them were going to a village about seven miles from Jerusalem. The village was Emmaus. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in recent days? What things, Jesus asked. You got to love Jesus. <laughs> oh, pray tell, right? Tell me more. About Jesus, they said. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. We had hoped. They're tough words. This Easter, I want you to hear, I want you to hear those words. We, we had hoped. I thought, God, you were going to do this. I was so sure of it. But you didn't show up the way that I thought you were. The cancer diagnosis didn't go the way you were hoping. I had hoped. I had hoped that the marriage was going to be a lot easier than this. I had, I had hoped. I had hoped that that job was going to turn out better than it did. I had hoped that I was going to be able to have children. I had hoped that my children were going to make different decisions than the ones that they made. I had hoped, I had hoped, I had hoped. And this is where we find ourselves with the disciples who are walking back home to Emmaus. Their faces downcast. I had hoped. This is the first Easter filled with people who are discouraged and don't know what God is doing. I want you to hear this today. Following Jesus doesn't mean everything is going to make sense. This has to, be, this has to resonate deep in your heart. Following Jesus does not mean you have a pain-free life. It doesn't mean that everything is going to make sense. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to work out the way that you had planned it to work out. Now, it's going to work out the way God is arranging things and, and moving things. But even in our mindset and with our vision and the limited capacity that we have as humans, it doesn't mean that it's always going to make sense. When my dad died and I was 25 years old, it didn't make sense. He was the pillar in our church. He loved Jesus. God, how can this be possible? I had hoped, dot, 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 that I would live a long life, that my kids would know my father, that this and that. 
I'd hoped. But it didn't work out that way. God, what are you doing? What are you up to here? Verse 21, what's more, it's the third day, they say to, to Jesus. <laughs> you got to love this. They're describing his resurrection to him. Hey, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amaze us. They amazed us. They went to the tomb and early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. They didn't see Jesus. Can you imagine the disappointment of hitching your wagon to Jesus, thinking that this is, the, 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 this is it? The Roman Empire is about to be overthrown. This is, my, this is my ticket. And not only does it not happen the way that you thought, Jesus is now dead. And yes, you're, you're kind of wondering what's going on. There's, a, there's lots of rumors. There's all kinds of things. Cleopas and his wife or, or whoever the other disciple is, you got to know something. They're not like bystanders with this. They are on the inside. They're talking about detailed information regarding Jesus' death his burial, and his resurrection. These people are close. They have proximity. And the greater proximity you have, the greater capacity for disappointment and discouragement. Shouldn't keep you from pursuing a deep relationship with Jesus. But understand, when you are expecting this Jesus who you know to do something and it doesn't turn out the way that you thought, sometimes... Man, that can rattle your faith, can't it? Satan has a way. In fact, he will always use pain to try to tempt you to walk away from what he's doing. Here, Cleopas and his, his, his spouse, his friend, the other disciple, they're experiencing pain. And what is it that they're doing? They're walking back home. They've left. They're out of here. We'll just go back and figure things out on our own as they fight it out, walking back to Emmaus. I've pastored now for, gosh, more years than I'd like to admit. And one of the most common patterns I've seen, church, is that when people experience pain, there is a natural tendency to walk away from God, from church, from church community, from relationships with one another, from accountability, from your marriage. Pain has a way of, of forcing you into thinking that what you're going through, you're the only one going through it. You're the only one who understands. You're the only one. You're the only this. You're the only that because Satan loves to get you isolated and thinking that this has to be accomplished in your own power, in your own strength, in your own timeline, in your ability. And so the tendency is to pack your bags and begin walking back home to Emmaus. But that isn't God's best for you. And this Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the life of Jesus, I'm also speaking to those of you sitting here who are experiencing great pain and disappointment and discouragement. Don't walk 
away. Don't walk away from what God is doing. I am pleading with you today. Luke 24, verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. Once again, Jesus is just playing with them, isn't he? He's like, oh, oh, uh, I'm going to keep going. No, he's not. He's, he's baiting them, right? And they, they fall right into it. He acts like he's going on further, but they are so stirred from this conversation with Jesus Christ, who they don't realize is Jesus, that they ask him to stay. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. Jesus, come on in. You don't want to keep going. You want to spend the night here. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their, their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. you got to love this. Jesus, the, the Bible shows us cyclical patterns, and the, the very first couple that we see in the Bible is Adam and Eve. And they're separated from God, and their eyes are opened not just to who God is, but they're open to sin as they, as they partake of the food that they're not supposed to in the garden. And we see Jesus as one of the very first acts of his resurrection, literally repeating this pattern, but he's undoing it. He's sitting with another couple and their eyes are opened, not to the realities of sin, but to the realities of his presence and his power as they break bread at a table. And instead of relationship being severed, relationship is now being brought together again for the very first time. It's an amazing picture of the cycle of godliness and righteousness being restored. And here we have Jesus. He, he's sitting here uh, with, with these disciples. And these people have been around Christ. They've been around the resurrection. They've been around uh, the, 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 the women going to the tomb. And they are declaring that Jesus isn't there. But Jesus is alive and yet they're not alive. Not yet. Jesus being alive doesn't mean that you are actually living. And sometimes in our disappointments and our failures or our frustrations or just church hurts, I hear this. We come to these moments and we know the right things to do. And we know the right things to say. And we know the right things to wear. It's Easter Sunday. We understand the outside, but what some of us need to get past, and many times it requires getting through hurts and pains, is getting to the life that can only come from Jesus where he sets you ablaze on the inside. Jesus has to do a work on the inside of you. It doesn't matter. All the facade, all the outside, all those things, uh, you know, beyond, that doesn't ultimately matter as long as your heart is still being protected from Christ. Christ is after your heart. He's after your heart. As my notes blow away. I'll take the last page of notes. Sure. Why not? <laughs> What is it that happens? As we bring this to a close, Jesus 
breaks bread with them, and as they eat, their eyes are open, and they instantly recognize it's, it's Jesus. Their eyes are open, and they have this conversation, and I'll paraphrase it, where Jesus disappears. Jesus opens their eyes, and then poof, he's gone. He's beginning to go look and engage other people. But they look at each other and they say, were our hearts not, uh, were they not burning within us as we were walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus? Oh, they didn't recognize quite yet who Jesus was, but yet there was a stirring that was happening on the inside and they couldn't put a finger on it. They didn't know how to explain it. And this morning on Easter Sunday, you heard Pastor Jason talk about when he gave his life to Christ and God literally began to work on the inside, Easter changed for him. He talked about that at the very beginning of service. Well, the same thing is, is available to you. Where Jesus is, is working on the inside and many of you are keeping Jesus at an arm's length because of pain and disappointment and discouragement. Just like the disciples as they're walking home, Jesus appears to them, their eyes are open, and you know what they do? Their first action. They recognize that their hearts were ablaze, and then they get up and they walk right back to Jerusalem. They walk seven miles to Emmaus. And the minute they realized that it was Jesus, they got right back up. The Bible says at once, and they went back to Jerusalem. They couldn't wait. Something had happened on the inside. They needed to be with the disciples. They needed to be with their church. They needed to be in a place of worship. They needed to be in a place of accountability. They needed spiritual family. They needed what could only come from the power and the context of Christ and His church. And for some of you, you, you're carrying just the weight of pain and difficulty and yet this morning on Easter you feel the knocking once again of Jesus on the door of your heart and similar to the disciples what you need to do today is invite Jesus into your life invite him all the way in bring him to the spiritual table at your house you we're not setting up an actual table here today but spiritually speaking metaphorically speaking invite Jesus in to sit with you and to walk with you and to have relationship with you this is what he desires this is what he's after and this is the hope of Easter. It's not just that you get to have a conversation with God or Jesus. It's that he changes you from the inside out. He forever changes who you are because he gives you eternal salvation. He changes you. The stirring of your heart, it makes you a new person on the inside. This is what we're after. This is what we need desperately in this hour. The kind of change that only Jesus can bring. Is he stirring in your heart today? Is he knocking on the door of your heart in this moment? He's a God who can be trusted. Give him everything today. Bring him your hurts. Bring him your pains. Bring him your hopelessness, the discouragement. Bring him everything. And let him bring fresh life to you today.